Do you know what done my heart good there just about five minutes ago, or even probably ten minutes ago, was that man there arriving in through the door. <laughs> he just arrived there with a big smile on his face. <laughs> Ashley, you bring joy to the place. You really do, man. Strange joy sometimes, but it is joy. <laughs> 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 so I was actually <laughs> It's joy, Nigel. It is joy. <laughs> press stop and press record again so yeah David's right um, this has sat in me for quite a while guys and uh, it's been heavy um, it's a subject of joy um, and we're in a season where the church the church has come through a lot of trials and yeah a lot of difficult times but you know what God is faithful God is faithful and he will bring joy to his people. 100%. So, yeah, uh, this is not something I would be good at doing. I'd be far, far happier sitting having a coffee with somebody and, and getting to know them and standing up at the front of the church and, and speaking to you. But God's definitely spoke to me on this topic and I feel like he's shared. So, um, go with me, please, to Galatians 5. So Galatians 5.16 and it says But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do but if you are led by the Spirit you are not under the law now have the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, or idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do not do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. And I'm sure we've heard that passage numerous, numerous times. Um, but the one fruit of the Spirit which sticks out to me of late is joy. And surprising it might seem, guys, joy or the theme of joy or the trait of joy is the most common command or trait mentioned in the Bible. And before I actually started to study this, um, I sort of thought there would be likes of uh, sorrow or grief or pain or wretchedness, but... God actually speaks most about praise and being rejoicing and being joyful and to be full of the joy of the Lord. So let's go and look at a few examples briefly. If you want to follow me to Psalm 94, 19. I just picked out a few because I've realised I had to cut this way, way down. This, this is a huge, huge topic. It really is. 
Um, but if you go to 94, Psalm 94, 19. So David's speaking and he says, When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. And you're going to have to follow me here because I'm going to read much more from the Word maybe than normal, but I think it's best we just, we just uh, focus on God's Word this morning. So Romans 14, 17, if you want to follow it. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that's the, key, that's the key behind the joy is that it's in the Holy Spirit. It's not the joy that you, you can achieve on earth through the world or what the world can offer. It's joy in the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 10, 28. Thanks, Aaron. The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the, ex- but the expectation of the wicked will perish. And that's the hope of the righteous, not the self-righteous, but the, the righteous who are made righteous in Christ. And Romans 15, 13, I'll just read this out, don't bother following it, but it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So there's just a few verses, guys. I am, I am astounded, to be honest. It just shows you how much I'm still learning in the gospel because there are so many references about, about joy and rejoicing and praising. It is just filled. It's completely shocked me. It really has overwhelmed me how many references there are in the Word um, to that sort of theme and that trait and stuff. So um, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm sure you all know that. And I think we just read that off sometimes. We just think about it and we forget what it actually means. But the joy of the Lord, it's not the joy that you can achieve or get anywhere else. No matter what you try, the joy of the Lord, it's the Lord's joy. He's the one who created joy. He's the one who created the emotions behind it. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And that was in Nehemiah. I just read something off here. I printed something off. The meditation on Ezra's statement. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God's strength and joy are in heaven. So David, David writes, strength and joy are in his place. When David said that, he was probably thinking about the tabernacle. But the Ark of the Covenant had been stolen and David brought, brought it back to Jerusalem. And I'm just going to read from Chronicles. 1 Chronicles 16. Guys, I love this. This... It's what I want table to be. If I'm being if I'm being selfish, but selfish in a good way. First Chronicles sixteen. So the Ark of the Covenant has come back. And what do they do? They build a tent. And it's some tent. And I'm maybe going to read the whole thing here. I'm going to briefly just swift through it, just tune in. The ark was placed in the tent. They brought in the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it and they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord and distributed to all Israel, both men and women, 
to each a loaf of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. Then he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke, to thank, and to praise the God, the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief, and second to him were Zechariah, Jael, I'm going to try these as best I can, um, Shemermoth, don't laugh, actually, please, Jehel, Matthiah, Eliab, Benaiah, Obedum, Obedidum, and Jael, who were to play harps and lures. Asaph was to sound the cymbals, I like that guy, and Benaiah and Jazel, the priests, were to blow trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. Then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. So David's song of thanks. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Israel, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God, his judgments are on all the earth. Remember his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant that he made in Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute. To Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying to you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. When you were few in number, of little account, and sojourers in there, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, Touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. And this verse just wamboozled me, to be honest with you. It says, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in this place. And this is what I want table to be, guys. I want this place to be a place of strength and a place of pure Holy Spirit joy. A place where people come in and they can taste joy in this place. From the moment they walk into the door, that guy this morning, he just had joy written all over his face. <laughs> That's what we want. We want God to make this place a place in the body of Christ where we can come in and just, just the Holy Spirit just touch you. Right to the very core. So the early tabernacle, however, was a shadow or type of the true and perfect tabernacle in heaven. And Hebrews 9.11 says, This heavenly holy place is filled with the glory, joy and strength of the Lord. So we can enter into the joy of God. The parable of the talents, in his commendation of the good slaves, has the marvellous words, Well done, good and faithful slave. Enter into the joy of your master. Can you think of anything more wonderful, guys, to hear from your divine master, the Lord Jesus Christ, him saying, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. You have no true or lasting joy of your own, therefore you are weak, but you can enter into the Lord's joy and therefore be strong. And this is something that, that also really spoke to me as well. It, it's something that I haven't focused on. and To be honest with you, I never really thought about it because 
I feel that the church today, the church today forgets to focus actually on, on God as in, as in fully focus on him. Because I think the church today sometimes preaches about the transaction. It's all about what God can do for me. It's all about how I can be blessed. It's all about what I can get from the Lord. It's not about what God gets from us. You know, we might think we're useless or we're stupid or we're not worthy. But I mean, he did just send his son to die on the cross for us. And that wasn't for just to get us to heaven. Yeah, of course we get to heaven and we get to be, in, be with him in eternity. But God wanted to connect that, get that connection made again. He wanted to spend time with us. He wants to sit with his children. So whenever we spend time in God's presence, amazing as it might seem, he actually gets great joy from that. He rejoices in that. He thinks that's class. He's just, he's just sat in a room. He's blocked all the rubbish of the world. And he wants to talk to me. Isn't that amazing? That just hit me, you know, that God wants to actually spend time with me. It's not about me going, God, give me, give me, give me, bless me, help me. You know, it's actually God enjoys us. God enjoys us. So we can give joy to God. We tend to put texts like, the joy of the Lord is your strength, in a frame and hang them on the walls. Why not? Is it comforting to be reminded of our reliance on God? However, it's not just the one-way thing. Certainly God gives us joy. But we also give him joy if we do the right thing. Jesus, for example, said, There is joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. And that's amazing. One sinner who repents. And I believe the same is for us who come to God and say, Listen, God, I've made a mess. I'm not perfect. I'm sorry for making a mess. Can you just please forgive me? I want to spend time in your presence again. I want to get to know you better. I want to walk deeper with you. I mean, God just goes, This is it. This is what it's all about. This is what life's all about. Like, I just thought I was mighty. So, joy and strength through restoration. When Ezra said, the joy of the Lord is your strength, and that's something, that's probably one of the most common verses when we think of joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. He was speaking to the remnant of Israel who had returned to Judah to rebuild the city and his temple. It was a time of restoration. And I think there's people here this morning who are going through a time of restoration that have been through some really hard trials and and some battles and stuff, and I believe the Lord is just going to restore you to new heights. Heights that you've never been before, guys, honestly. Um, so what is joy? And, uh, yeah, what is joy, guys? It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is what happens when the Holy Spirit indwells in a person who loves God, who genuinely loves God. The fruit is the product of the Holy Spirit's cultivation of character in the heart. You can't try and be joyful, even though it's a command. You can only try and be happy. I wake up Monday morning, and I think I've told you before, I feel sorry for you, Adam, because my one thing that just grinds me, boy, is traffic on Monday morning. Like. <laughs> you literally can't be happy through traffic. Like. And there's a road that I go every morning. I think everybody who knows I go on that road think, fair play to you, Daniel, but there's just this one farm of land, one farm of land, between Antrim and Moira. And it's almost like he pulls that tractor out in front of me every morning. Boy. <laughs> Honestly. If it's not him, it's a flipping meal lorry or something pulled into his yard and he just jams the whole lot up. Like, you don't get... Do you get that far? No, thank God you don't have to go that way. <laughs> but anyway, that, that is... The, there's no way you could be happy through that. 
That is the only way that I can bring joy into my situation, and that is the Lord, because that cannot happen internally, guys. It's something from the Holy Spirit, it's something internally, it's not something I can control. We were at the prayer meeting a few weeks ago, and someone who will remain nameless started off by saying, Liverpool were playing Barcelona tonight. So let's just try and put this into terms. Right, ladies? <laughs> <laughs> ladies, you know, Primark? There's a, there's a, I think there's a five or six, I think Shawnee's going actually tomorrow. There's a five or six or seven store Primark in Birmingham. Right? You used to think of walking into that front door and getting your basket in your hand if you like Primark. That was pretty much as good as it gets. Like, because we were sitting in the prayer meeting. <laughs> I was trying to think, how could I make this happen? Exactly. <laughs> so as, as, as Salah kicks off that ball against Barcelona, that would have given me great happiness. But someone mentioned the prayer meeting. I would rather be in the prayer meeting whilst that happens and experience the joy collectively praying together. The joy of the Lord. And that was that really hit me, you know, that's much more important than standing in Primark with all these clothes in front of you. You'd rather be actually be on your knees or in front of the Lord collectively as a church. Just hearing his 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 uh, his prompting and feeling his presence. I was at a conference on Thursday night with Adam and it was up in Coleraine and I just said that there's a guy who's anointed, Jeremy Riddle. Flipping anointed guys when it comes to playing worship. It just God has just used them so, so much. And he played the first chord, and I have never felt anything like it, to be honest, in a long time. He played the first chord, and the, the Spirit of God just fell in the place. It just absolutely shook me to the core. It was unbelievable. And that was the, that was the Holy Spirit, and it welled up inside of me. That wasn't anything that I could try and create to do, or try and emotions to store. God just fell in the place, and it was amazing. So uh, the reason why I'm saying that to you is, is, I really feel that we're in a time more than ever, especially in the Western world, where... Happiness, now I'm not saying happiness is, is emotion that was created by God. So I think we get mixed up that happiness can only be from the world and joy can only be from, come from God. But happiness in the world, we run after so many things to fulfill. I've done it for years, guys. Years back I had bought all the cars and went on the perfect holidays. I tried to fulfill just that, that part of my life that, that God created to fill, that nothing else could fill it. And I wasted countless hours, countless times wasted expectations on the enemy. That enemy that just thinks he can tell you if you get this and if you get that and if you get that and if you get to that point then you're going to make it. And you get there and you go it's not always me to be like. So that's what really spoke to me is joy, there's a, there's a difference whenever you've got the, the joy of the Holy Spirit in you than compared to happiness that the world can't give. So, just another point, I made joy through trials. And this is a difficult one. Because we can all sing whenever the morning comes and the trials are over. But how can we be joyful in the trials? So if you don't, want to, if you don't mind following me to Hebrews 12 too. I hope I'm not scattering these all over the place here, but...
Yeah. So there's one person you can look to who is able to be joyful through a trial was Jesus. In Hebrews 12, we'll just start from the, from the beginning of chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. He's the founder and the perfecter of our faith. And this verse is amazing. Who, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God and that really hit me guys because Jesus was facing one of the most embarrassing times one of the most shameful times of his life being hung on a cross the king of the Jews being spat at being despised being mocked as he literally died I think we all know whenever we do want to when we come to that point where we want to pass away and go into heaven or God calls us home we don't want people spitting at us and despising us we want to be left in peace and quiet and have family and loved ones around us but Jesus offered himself on the cross for our mess for our, for our sin and what he focused on through that he focused on the joy his focus wasn't Oh, look at me and what I'm going through. His focus was the joy as he prepared to die for our sin. He looked forward with joy to the people he would save. He willingly gave his life to save his sheep. So our joy is through him who was the pioneer of faith. And that's something in that verse that we maybe can very quickly overlook. But his joy wasn't about him getting to go to heaven. His joy was that he could save us. He could give us the opportunity to save us. That was his joy. So then we look to James 1. I'm glad I numbered these pages because I've been lost. James 1. So he was a slave, well it says the start, James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes in the dispersion greetings. So two and three. Count it all joy, my brother. <coughs> my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. And that was, that was him turning around and saying, you know, consider pure joy, my brothers, whatever trials you face, that it's, it's for your good, it's for the testing of your faith, it's to make your faith deeper, it's to make you stronger in who you are with Christ. And then we look at Paul, and these are just some examples, it's covered, it's literally covered, <laughs> the gospel is covered in it. Um, for 2 Corinthians 7. This is amazing. You read this. He was facing all sorts of affliction and all sorts of imprisonment and 
everything that we would think, right, God, you're going to have to help me out here because I can't go through this. I can't have me sitting in prison here. It's not for me. This is not, this is not what I would call joy. But Paul was saying in verse four, uh, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 4 says, I am acting with great boldness towards you. I have great pride in you and I am filled with comfort. And that, that verse there, it says, In all our affliction, I am overflowing, overflowing with joy. Not just spits and sparks of joy, but he's overflowing with joy. And then Romans 5, 3 to 5. So it says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So rejoicing in your sufferings. And then Peter, just one more here, um, Peter, 1 Peter 4, chapter 12 onwards. So it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may overjoyed you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it, would be, if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? So verse 19 says, So then those who suffer according to God, God's will, should commit themselves to their faith of creator and continue to do good. So that was Peter saying, participating in the suffering of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So that's not so much looking, guys, at right now, what we, what, what we can get now. That's, that's looking at the, the opportunity for us to participate, participate in Jesus' suffering. And at the end of it then, God obviously will turn around and say, you're a good and faithful servant. You suffered through the trials. You didn't back out. So I think we're on to the final page here. Yeah, so the last, or the second last point actually, battle over our lives. So this, especially in Ephesians 6, we've been focusing over this past few weeks on the powers of the, of the evil one. <coughs> And his plans not only to, to destroy us, our walk with God, but to destroy our lives. Excuse me. So John 12, 20 to 26. John 12, 20, 26 says, Truly, truly, uh, maybe start 24 here actually, sorry. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, 
it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honour him. And I think, listen to a guy called Dan Muller, he's really affected me just in in this topic as well. Um, I think the devil genuinely thinks that all of us Christians today love ourselves. He does think we love ourselves. He's convinced we we love ourselves. And you have to ask yourself, is he right at times? I know this topic of joy is about being joyful, but this is something that really spoke to me is do we love ourselves more than we love God? Do we love our own desires and put them first before, before spending time with God? Because he did try it. And if you read Job, if you go to Job 1, just very quickly, 1, 6 to 12. I think the devil turned to God and went, see that Job guy? He loves himself. I guarantee if you take all his blessings away, he'll curse you. He's only loving you because you've looked after him with his family and his farm and all you've given him. So take them away and I guarantee he'll curse you. And that was the enemy's mindset in it. Verse 6 from Job 1 says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth? God knew his heart. God knew Job's heart. God knew he was a servant. God knew that Job was a servant of God and he would not curse him. Um, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does, jo- does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hands. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And I'm sure we all know that God stood back and allowed Job to be tested. And Satan pretty much tore his family apart, tore his farm apart. <coughs> but Job stood strong. Job knew that God would look after him. or God would, would, would lift him up at the end of the trial and would put him upon the rock. And that's the same for the enemy, guys. I, I believe the enemy wants to take us out by the roots. And you might think you've got all your angles covered, but sometimes we don't. And sometimes it's the battle of the mind. Sometimes it's just that, that wee window in the house left open, and he slip in, and he start to rot things from the core. So if we love ourselves more than we love God, then we are an automatic target. If you have something in your life that determines your joy instead of letting the Holy Spirit determine your joy, then you are an automatic target for the enemy. So the circumstances 
possessions or relationships with people determine our joy. If things go belly up, what happens? If things go royally south, if that's a word you'd call it, you can't go too far south, it'll not be too royal anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but if things don't go the way you want them to go, if you don't get your blessings that you expect you should have, or your job is lost, or you walk home now after, or you drive home after and your house is on fire, do you curse God or do you go, you know what God, you've got me. You've got me. And if you have something in your life other than God that determines your spiritual growth, then you're an automatic target. Maybe your spouse, or your partner, or your friends, or the workplace, and you're living in a difficult environment, and your friends aren't re really helping you to grow, or your, your home that you live in isn't really helping you to grow, and, and you're putting that before God, and you're thinking, well, it's not really my fault because, you know, I... I can't do anything about this, they're treating me badly and it's, it's difficult. These are the things that the enemy tries to get you to believe. That basically um, your joy is not in God, your joy is only in the earth. So Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything, everything, I'm going to say that again, let's throw off everything, that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So contribute, contributing to each other's joy. And I'm nearly done, guys. What time am I? Am I 15 minutes or am I off? All right, okay. I have no idea time at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's a joy night, isn't it? <laughs> so Hebrews 13, 6 says... This is difficult, guys. I, I have I talked to Sean about this. I paced the floors, to be honest with you, and I went, is this, is this right what I'm saying? God, you need to speak to me because I don't want this to come from my heart. I want this to come from you. But it's there. It's in the Word. And it's really sat on me. So it says, Hebrews 13, 6 says, Be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives. And work under strict supervision of God. Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? I think it probably comes easier for me than it comes from David and Linda, but whenever you're whenever you're given the responsibility of of being a leader in a church or leading a group of young guys or leading a group of friends or leading a house with kids, whatever it is, you take joy whenever you see them run with Christ. It stirs your heart whenever you see them getting up and running hard with Christ. It's not going to take your joy away from your own walk with God because you know God's good. But whenever you're given the responsibility of a herd, as they would call it, or a flock, whatever it is, it really, it, you, you have no idea what it does for me. Me and Aaron have a joke going on about old David Spencer, and we don't really say it too, too much to him, but I'm going to stir it up for the crack of it. <laughs> and the mindset we have is, if you ever get a message from David asking you to meet for a coffee, then you need to prepare yourself. 
Even worse, if it's in the tin house coffee shop, top floor, <laughs> where there's nowhere to hide, you're in for a tune. <laughs> so please, for the sake of that man, I love, I love the leaders in this church. They have got a heart and a half for us. They look out for us more than you could ever know. In fact, I've noticed ever since I've came here that there's like a sixth sense where if someone isn't around for a while, or they walk in with a scowl face on them for a few weeks, just something happens in there where, is he all right? Is she doing all right? Is everything okay? And you'd be guaranteed if you're not spoken to, you'll be prayed about. You'll be put at the very top of the list. See that person there? They're struggling on something. I haven't got a chance to talk to them yet, but I'm going to meet them for a cup of coffee. And that's where we all need to be, guys. We all need to be on that where we're looking out for each other. Because the enemy's trying to take us out more than ever. So this church family loves from the top down and loves to see people running the race well to the very finish. So Paul wrote a letter to the church of the Thessalonians after receiving a report back from Timothy. And this just back to holding up. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. And I'm going to get another slug of this. And Paul obviously was in prison and had very little say and had very little um, control over what was happening in that church. But he's, uh, I want to make sure I'm the right, I'm the right verse here. <coughs> yes, yeah, so the report back from Timothy. So Timothy came back and it, it just done Paul the world of good. Because sitting in prison and he wanted to know the church was well. He wanted to know the people were walking with God. He wanted to know people were running the race well together. And it says in verse 6 there, We always thank God for all you, all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord and you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy. There you go again, guys. With the joy given by the Holy Spirit. In the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And I also wrote to the church in Philippi and says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Philippians 1 verse 3 says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until, to the, until the day of Christ Jesus. So as I said before, there's nothing more uplifting, guys, than to see people around you running after God. That's what does my heart the world of good. That's better than any football match. It's better than any, any shop around Primark. Is to see people getting up. I was sand on a table in the garden, and the name would probably be known anyway, but I'm going to say it. This done my heart the world of good yesterday. Sand on the table in the garden, and there was a next door neighbour the window open, and the worship music was going. And they were praising God. And I thought, get in there. 
That is, that done my heart the world of good. Because that was somewhere the enemy couldn't have a flipping rain over. That's where the, 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 the doors were firmly shut and the enemy had no say over it. It does my world of good to see you, Mike, lifting your hands in praise and worship in church on Sunday morning. It does me the world of good to see Jackie. And she lets this sort of whoop out of her in the middle of praise and worship. No one else could ever create it. But I guarantee you during the week, me and Arnold go, that was class to hear that. That's someone, you know what that is? That's someone who's gone by the ability to express themselves in their own body and it's just the spirit of worship. It's just a spirit of truth and worship. That's a mighty place to be in and we need to get, we need to fight into that place, guys. Not just to come on Sunday morning and do the religious thing and tick the box and go, oh, I've, I've been there on Sunday and I've sang my praises to God, but it's getting into that place where the Holy Spirit just pours through you and the joy has no other way to come out of you but in some strange and wonderful way. So let's cultivate an environment where we stir each other on with the joy of the Spirit. And if someone trips up, then help them up graciously. And let's run this race together. David, could you come and just read that psalm again? Because that really... Please. This is the God we serve. This is the God who blew dust, or who blew dirt from the ground and created a being out of it. I don't care what the enemy wants to put in this world to try and trip us up and to put some false hope in our lives. We serve a God who reigns, the God who, is, who has created the world, the heavens and the earth, the God who just went, and being became. So let's praise him, guys. Let's praise him like never before. Let's praise him with joy in our hearts because we serve the risen king. Yeah, why don't you turn to Psalm 74? I want you to see this. <clears throat> 